I was getting quite bored. My eyes drifted from the dull green short carpeting of the floor, across the other chairs in the waiting room, and back up to the clock. 3.30. I'd been sitting here for over an hour now, probably closer to two. If I'd known what a hassle this whole thing would be, I never would have signed up to begin with. But I guess they don't tend to advertise long waiting times. I was here because of an email I received from a department at my college. For reasons that will become obvious, I'm not going to reveal my school's identity, but it was a legitimate email from a familiar domain. It was an invitation to take part in an upcoming experiment being done by some of the science and medicine students. It stated that projects ranged from medication trials to psychology trials to physical trials. I could barely guess what physical trials would mean, but one thing caught my eye above all else. The offer came with a paycheck for $200, and supposedly this was only for two hours donation of time on a single day. The email said I should message back if I'm interested, and I did just that. I was told to arrive to a building on campus I'd never been to before. It was situated kind of off to the side, near a large forested area. To tell you the truth, I actually didn't remember seeing it here. But I hadn't really explored the entirety of the land much, just the parts I needed to get to multiple days a week. So when I arrived, I really didn't think too much of it. it made me embarrassed for my lack of familiarity with my own school, actually. And then I waited and waited. The waiting room was pretty cold, like a doctor's office, though surprisingly maybe a little worse. I huddled forward in my fold-out seat in an attempt to conserve body heat. This room had about ten chairs in all, and I was the only one here. I was told in the email to take a seat when I arrived, and that someone would be out shortly. Yeah, right. When it was getting close to 4 o'clock, when I'd been told to arrive at 1.30, I was getting more than a little antsy. Actually, antsy might not be the best word. It's more like... angry. Yeah, anger was the emotion brewing around that time. I thought it'd be two hours work, but now two hours had passed. Was this the experiment I signed up for? To see how boredom affects the below average college student? I was pacing around the waiting room now, looking out of the window, staring at the clock, counting the chairs over and over again. Straight ahead was a little corner area that turned off to the left, to the hallway I assumed I'd be led down whenever someone decided to grace me with their presence. Well, I was tired of waiting. I decided to take a peek around the corner, down the hall, and see if there was anyone I could talk to. Maybe ask how many more hours they'd like me to wait here. But when I peeked around the corner, I found the hall empty. Just great, I thought. 
I stood around waiting to see if anyone would happen to come from one of the many rooms on this hall. The hallway was very long and had five doors on both the left and right sides, with another door straight ahead at the end of the hall. A few minutes passed with nothing but stillness and silence. I was on the verge of leaving and saying forget it to the whole thing, but I figured if I was ready to do that, I owed it to myself to, at least, give this one more try. So, I began walking down the hall. The first couple of doors on each side were quite plain and solid, but the third door down on the right had a little round porthole-esque window. I leaned forward and squinted to see against the glare of the bright fluorescence that lit the hall. The room was a little dark, but there were definitely people in there. I cupped my hands around the sides of my eyes, forehead pressed against the door, so I could see into the shadowed room. Now I could see in there quite clearly, but immediately, I was puzzled. I think the only way of dealing with this is to simply jump in and describe what I saw. It was a small room, a single lamp in the corner giving off a fairly dim light. Standing along the side wall to the right of my field of view before the lamp was a man in a white gown, like you'd expect a scientist to wear. He was a bald fellow, maybe about middle-aged, judging by his graying beard and wrinkled features. What was a man of this age doing as a student here? Or maybe he was one of the professors? If so, I'd never seen him before. But scanning across the room to the left was a large, average-sized washing machine. It looked to be an older model, kind of dirty, really. No digital displays, everything was just buttons and dials. It was a top-loader model. The scientist walked over to the laundry machine and lifted the lid. He left it up as he walked back to the lamp and checked some things off on a little notepad he plucked from his breast pocket. As I looked back to the laundry machine, I realized there was something behind it. Almost like some wires, though. It was hard to tell in the shadowed mess. But suddenly, almost like he read my mind, the scientist walked back past the laundry machine and out of my field of view. And a moment later, another dim but workable light came on from the left side of my vision, though its source remained out of sight. But the moment this light flashed on, a 12-ton boulder sank to the pit of my stomach. I had indeed spotted something behind that laundry machine, but it wasn't wires, per se. They were... tubes. But not thick laundry tubes or plumbing of any sort. No, these were the kinds of tubes you'd use for an IV, or a blood transfusion or whatever and the light illuminated where these tubes led as well. Just to the left of the machine was a chair, a chair affixed with several leather straps across every limb of the furniture, 
having strapped a man looking to be in his mid-twenties tight across both of his legs, arms, chest, lower abdomen, neck, and forehead. The young man appeared to be completely tied down, trapped under the binds of this leather device of a chair. His eyes were closed. His mouth hung open, drool having pulled down along his shirt in the straps that contained him into a little lake on his khakis. As I watched closely, I realized the tubes, three in total, led from the washing machine to him. One looked to be hooked to a vein in his right arm, the other to his left, and the third tube appeared to lead to the back of his neck, at the base of the back of his skull. His chest bellowed up and down quickly. I realized his skin looked quite thin and pale. Suddenly, the scientist was walking back across the room and approached the laundry machine. He was standing slightly off to the side of it, so I got a slightly better look at what he was doing than I would have had he been just another couple inches to my left. He pulled this vial out from within his jacket, a clear glass vial filled with bright orange liquid. Unscrewing the cap, he poured this viscous substance into the detergent holder of the washing machine. He then capped it back up, shut the lid of the laundry machine, and cranked the dial to a setting I couldn't read from all the way back here. But it was then the laundry machine buzzed to life, immediately vibrating and making the sounds as though it were filling with water. A minute later, it was sloshing around, making those semi-rhythmic noises it makes as it cleans. This went on for maybe three minutes, much shorter than a usual cycle, before a few clicks clacked out, and then a draining kind of sound like all the liquid was being evacuated from the chamber. But it was then my eyes dashed back over to the tubes. Synonymous with the draining of the washing machine. Red ink began flowing from the tubes in the boy's arms, straight down and into the back of the machine. The man's mouth that had been hanging agape suddenly stretched wider, and his eyelids began to flutter as the liquid continued to drain from him. And it was then I found out where the laundry water was draining. From the back of the laundry machine drained this uh, frothy neon orange water straight into the tube that led into the back of the man's neck. The orange liquid moved much slower than the blood, the man's skin already a shade lighter by the time the waste water made it to the base of his skull. I was now staring at what looked like a man connected to two thick pieces of red yarn and one thick piece of orange yarn. The orange going in, the red pouring out. I began to feel lightheaded around this point and attempted to put more weight against the door in an effort to keep from passing out. 
I couldn't take my eyes from the wretched sight. As the seconds passed, the boy's skin began to turn more and more the color of a light orange. Suddenly, a hand clapped against my left shoulder. I couldn't help but let out a quick gasp as I craned my neck to the left in surprise. Before me stood a man, an older man, once again, though this man looked to be in his early sixties, at least. But that's not even what I first noticed. This guy was wearing a uniform, like a military uniform, I mean. Deep navy blue, decked out with a slew of pins. I couldn't make out what any of them were, except that it looked to be quite official. Well, I do remember seeing the American flag pin. Hi, I exhaled instinctively, with a fake smile plastered across my face. The stern man didn't respond, but only stared me in the eyes. I, uh, I began, nervous and uncomfortable. I've been waiting for a while and I was trying to find someone I could talk to. The man's expression didn't change a wink. Ten seconds passed before he took a deep breath in. He began with my name, my full name, and then said, You no longer qualify for the experiment. Now, turn to your left and walk straight forward. And don't you dare even consider craning your neck towards the right. It'll be the last thing you ever do. The man spoke with clear confidence and ended with the slightest of smirks. My throat fell like a desert and I simply nodded and carefully and slowly turned to the left, making sure to not get my line of sight anywhere near that door or its window and walked carefully forward, around the corner, through the waiting room, and out of the door. By the time I made it to my dorm, I was in a state of full-on panic. I couldn't stop shaking. The memories of what I'd seen playing over and over again before my mind, I just couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe that they'd be doing such horrible experiments on people like that. And for that matter, who are they? I thought these were supposed to be college students, not an elder's fraternity lab. I brewed a cup of lavender tea and curled up on my bed under the blankets to try and calm down. Before bed that night, I decided to check the email I'd received in exchange from my college about the science experiments, but going back and scrolling through my inbox, it was missing. The email I'd received, the email I'd read over and over again, as a matter of fact, was just gone. Going to my sent emails... I found those were nowhere to be seen either. What the hell was going on here? Emails don't just disappear like that. 
You'd have to go out of your way to delete them, and I hadn't done that. The thought that someone had hacked my email sent another shiver up my spine, and in a panic, decided to email my email hosting company, asking if it's possible for them to see if emails had been deleted on their end. I never did hear back. The next morning, I went into the front office of my school to do a little investigating of my own. I asked the receptionist lady if I could speak to anyone involved with the student experiments being done on campus. She didn't know what I was talking about, but offered to ask one of the higher-ups. A few minutes later, a professor I'd recognized from around campus walked up to me. I'd never personally met him before, but somehow he knew my name. After addressing me by name like we were old chums, he sat down next to me on the little waiting area and got right to the chase. I understand you're interested in starting up some student experiments here on campus, yes? I hesitated a moment and then corrected. Uh, no, no, I, I think there's been some kind of miscommunication. I was invited to take part in an experiment on campus, which is what I wanted to speak to someone about. The man nodded up and down like he was listening, and continued nodding even after I had finished speaking for about ten seconds. Suddenly, he spoke. Okay. And stood up from his chair. Mr. He said my name again, even though I know I didn't even introduce myself to the receptionist. You were never involved with any experiments on this campus. There are no experiments on this campus. Anything of the sort would fall under my supervision, and there is simply nothing of the sort. I wish you well, and take comfort in silence. He smiled as he almost whispered that last sentence. He then nodded at me, walked over and small-talked with the receptionist for about ten seconds, and then walked away, out of sight. Another minute passed before I walked out of the building. Clearly, something was wrong. Something was very wrong here. I believe that professor was lying to me. I believe he knows exactly what's going on here. And I believe whatever is going on here would shock the world were it to be uncovered. As I made it back to my dorm that night, I was shocked to find the place absolutely wrecked. It was like a tornado had flown through the place. All of my clothes stripped off of the hangers and thrown all around the home. Tables with everything on them flipped over. All of the food from the refrigerator ripped out. Even the individual bags of food themselves had been shredded to bits and thrown all across the room. It was a disgusting mess. But worst of all, my laptop was missing. 
After, uh, cleaning up a little bit, mostly just the most disgusting bits of food, I headed out to the library. This is where I've typed up this post. I fear very deeply for my safety. I know this isn't normal, but I don't know who to trust. I feel the wrecking of my dorm and the theft of my laptop was a message and an effort to silence me. I'm not confident about a lot, but I am confident that cannot happen. And if you're reading this, then I've been successful at that, at least. But all through writing this account, a horrible question has been lingering throughout my mind. What experiment was I supposed to be a part of yesterday? What fate had I happened to avert? Was I supposed to have succumbed to a fate such as that poor man I'd stumbled upon trapped in that chair? Or something far, far worse? I don't know. I... I think I'm dropping out of school. I called my aunt and she'll be here at the library in a few hours to pick me up. I don't think I'm ever going back to that dorm room. And aside from this anonymous post, I don't think I'm ever going to speak of this again. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode, The Laundry Room Experiment. This has been Clancy Pasta. I hope you all enjoyed tonight's story very much, and I hope you're all getting ready for the spooky Halloween season. Well, I guess more like I hope you're getting ready for the Halloween day, because we're, <laughs> we're already in the Halloween season, aren't we? Huge thanks to all of my supporters on Patreon and YouTube members. Thank you so, so much. Let me know what you thought of the story in the description below. And if you'd like to listen to this story and more ad-free, you can always go to patreon.com slash clancypasta. Also, if you just want to support uh, the channel and uh, help me continue to do this stuff, you can always just go to patreon.com and support me for that reason as well. But the ultimate way of supporting the channel is just giving it a watch, giving it a like, subscribing, maybe telling a friend about it. That is all more than enough. And I appreciate it very much. <sighs> Alright, thank you all for listening once again, and I hope you all have a great night. Cheers. <laughs>